Now, last year, as COVID-19 cases uh, increased around the world, um, the number of people searching on the internet for prayer, not necessarily looking for it, but looking for something about prayer, uh, to understand perhaps how to pray or does God really answer prayer, the number of people who are doing those Google searches increased as well. Uh, in fact, research by the University of Copenhagen, the economics department there, uh, shows that prayer searches in March 2020 was 50% higher than February 2020. And that was across 98 countries, I think, their work looked at. It was, of course, during March 2020 that the, w, the, the WHO, the World Health Organization, uh, declared COVID-19 a global pandemic. And immediately when it was declared, people really wanted to know how to pray, and uh, they, they, they searched online for answers. Uh, it seems that despite the best efforts of militant secularism in the world, especially in the West, prayer to God remains our default action when confronted with the reality of a broken world. Deep down our hearts, all of us, Believers and non-believers, we know that we can't make it through life alone. We need God who made us. We need him, especially when the chips are down. The problem is that, of course, is that we only want God to help us when we have a crisis. That's the problem. When everything is going well in our lives, God is not often our priority. We want God to help us when we our loved ones are unwell. We want God to reach out to us uh, with help when we need a job. We want God to help us when we are in a very difficult relationship. And that, there's nothing wrong with that. But the problem is that when everything else is going well, the truth of the matter is that many of us do not care about talking to God. And this is sadly true even for many who claim to be followers of Jesus. Someone has said, one of the greatest sins in the church is not gossip or addictions. It is a sin of prayerlessness. The sin of leaving God alone. That's what prayerlessness, prayerlessness is, leaving God alone. Joe Oswald Sanders says, if I want to humble anyone, I just need to ask him or her about his or her prayers. The topic of prayer brings self, sorrowful self-confession. And it raises a question, doesn't it? As you hear Joseph Sanders speaking those words, why are so many professing Christians so prayerless? Why do so many of us struggle with prayer? I think there are two explanations. One explanation is that those who struggle with prayer are not truly born-again children of God. They are not perhaps truly converted. I say that because just as when a new baby is born, the first thing they do is cry to their mother. So those who are truly born of God by the Holy Spirit have a new desire when they are born again to cry out to the Father. Jesse Rao says to be prayerless is to be without God, without Christ, without grace, and without heaven. 
It is to be on the road to hell. That's what Jesse Rao says. If there is zero prayer in your life, Jesse Rao says, you are not truly converted. If you have never learned to pray at all. What about those of us who pray, but pray very little? Surely we are in a better condition than those who are completely prayerless. Well, according to him Bounds, the answer is no. Little prayer is worse than zero prayer, says GM Bounds, because little praying is a kind of make-believe, box-ticking exercise. GM Bounds says people who pray a little have no warm love for God. They open their mouth to him as an obligation. Their prayers are a farce, a delusion, says Ian Bounds. Someone has said, Prayer is the mark of a lover. Those who deeply love Jesus cannot help but pray often. To love Jesus, says someone, to love Jesus is to pray to him. Have you always been prayerless? Have you always been a person who just prayed a little? Do you go through very long, sustained periods of not praying at all? Well, the witness of these brothers over the ages who have studied prayer is that it is likely you are not a true believer. You are prayerless, you see, because you have no reason to thank Jesus for saving you from sin. You do not love him, and therefore you do not long to talk to him. There is no deep longing in your heart to become more like Jesus, for God to work in your life with power, you, you are not yet truly born again. And as things stand, you are in a terrible situation. You, you currently have no place in heaven. You, you are currently under the wrath and judgment of God. And for some of us here, we just need to stop here before we go any further, because what we need to do is to realize that having said a prayer in the past for Jesus to save us, having, called, having attended church for many years, or having even become members, or even been baptized, is not that those things are no evidence of conversion. If there's zero prayer in our lives, the chances are, the high chances, if we have no desire to pray at all, the chances are is that we're not truly converted. And so what we need to do then is to accept what you need to do to accept you're a sinner before God and ask God right now, right here, to forgive your sin based on the death of Christ on the cross. Cry out to him to truly convert you and change you. Ask God to give you a brand new heart that loves Jesus, a heart that desires to talk to God, to become truly born of God. So explanation number one is those who have never prayed, those who have very little desire to pray, are not truly converted. That's why there's prayerlessness in our churches. It's that the church is filled with people that on paper say they are believers, but they are not truly converted. And that's how many of our churches struggle with prayer. That's explanation number one. The second explanation why some professing Christians are prayerless is that 
they are going through a period of seriously backsliding. Now, we shouldn't immediately jump to this explanation because it seems to be our favorite for many of us. Oh, I'm converted, but I'm just backsliding terribly. Be careful about that. Because those who are prayerless currently because they are backslidden had a time when they fervently prayed to God. Had a time when they longed for God. It is those that can claim having experienced a fervency in prayer, having experienced some desire in the past, as they now sit here, they can say, I am struggling because for the last month or two, I've struggled to pray. These people had a time when they prayed to God fervently, but now they are struggling to pour out their heart to God. Their heart feels cold. They find they have little time to pray. They find they have time for many other things except time to talk to their Savior and Redeemer. But it's a temporary situation. They have seriously backslidden. Are you in that situation? Are you, when you are alone, are your prayers just quick prayers? Just to quieten your conscience? So you pray so you don't feel guilty, not out of love for Christ at this moment, but just to quieten your conscience. Well, the reason is you are perhaps seriously backslidden. And because you are backslidden, first of all, in prayer, you will find yourself struggling in other areas of your work with God. You have lost the passion to read your Bible. You have no desire to share Jesus with others. You are losing battles against many temptations. Those who backslide in prayer, you see, live weak Christian lives. They have no joy, no blessings, no power, no victory, no desire to serve the Lord. Is that you today, this morning? Have you lost your love to talk to God? Do you find yourself lacking appetite to pray with other followers of Jesus? Do you feel dragged to the church prayer meeting? Do you find you have no time for the church prayer meeting? You have backslidden, beloved. And the only answer to that is repentance. You must repent of your prayerlessness. And my goal today is to encourage you on why you should repent of your prayerlessness and to encourage you to find new confidence to cry out afresh to God beginning today when, as we begin the month of prayer. And to help us do this, look with me just briefly there at First John chapter 5, verse 14 to 15. Now prior to these verses, John has been encouraging believers of things we need to be sure of. The episode of John is about, really, is an episode about assurance. Things we need to be sure of in our Christian lives. And in chapter 5, he's summarizing, really, what he's been talking about. From verse 1 to 10, he wants us to be sure that we have true faith in Jesus as God the Son. In verse 11 to verse 13, he wants us to know that we have eternal life with God. That's how verse 13 That's what verse 13 says, isn't it? I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Now, in verse 14 to 15, 
John wants to assure us that praying to God really works. He wants to give us an encouragement to repent of our prayerlessness. And in this passage, I think there are two encouragements John gives us to help us repent of our backsliding in prayer. The first encouragement in your outline is that God hears his children. Beloved, pray to God because God hears his children. You have no excuse not to pray to God because you have a God who hears his children. The Apostle John tells us in, in, in verse 14 there, doesn't he? And this is the confidence that we have towards him, towards God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He hears us. The way, who's the way? The way is everyone who has new life with God, who has been born of God through Jesus. The we are those people talked about in verse 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and, verse 14, this is the confidence that we who have eternal life have towards Him, that is God, that if we who have eternal life ask Him, our God, anything according to His will, He will hear us. John is saying, God hears every person who has received a new life in Jesus Christ. If you are born of God, God hears your prayers. Now sometimes when a car is passing outside the house, right? Outside the man's, I hear the noise, right? But I do not know what car it is, right? And so when I hear it, I've heard it, but I'm not interested to know anything more. It's just sound, right? I know it's a car, oh, big deal. I'm not interested, just making noise, right? That is not what John means when he says God hears us. It means God listens to us with perfect knowledge and interest in what we are saying. And that should astound us that the creator of the heavens, the almighty God, hears us. You know, in life, the more powerful you are, the less time you have to listen. Did you know that? Did you know that? The powerful, whether at work or in the country, they don't listen very well. Think of all the powerful leaders in history. How many of these leaders were known for listening? Like literally when they've written their biographies. How many were known to say this guy was a good listener? None. I can't think of any. You know, if Pharaoh had listened to Moses, he would have not drowned in the Red Sea. If Saul had listened to Samuel, he would not have lost his throne. Many leaders lose power for lack of listening to their people. If David Cameron had listened to people over the EU, he would probably be PM today. He would. Leaders are not good at listening, and it costs them. Power in every area of life is an effective earplug. Powerful people don't listen well because, you see, listening gives away power. Listening says, you matter to me, you matter more than I do. Whenever you are listening, you are submitting to the other person. You're saying, you matter more than me talking. 
And of course, powerful people don't like giving power away like that. Except the one true God. The whole powerful God who has become our Father in Jesus Christ. John tells us, and this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he bends his ears to us. John is saying, God our Father cares to listen when we talk to him. He, he bends his ear to us. To, he is keen to hear about your deepest needs today. Just as a parent is pleased when their children come to him and tells him of all their needs and, and, and things they need, well, God our Father loves to hear from us. He really does. Our Heavenly Father is pleased when we come to him and pour out to him our joys, our burdens, and whatever is troubling us. He wants to hear. He wants to hear. And beloved, can I just say, this is all the incentive we need to pray. As we come to prayer later on, this, this, is, this, this is the incentive we need. As you think about your own life, this is all you need to know to pray. To know that you have a God in heaven who listens to your prayers. Because beloved, think about who God is. Question 7 of the Westminster Larger Catechism asks, what is God? And it gives this answer. It says, I should have memorized it, but I'll read it out. It says, God is a spirit in of himself, infinite in being. Glory, blessedness, and perfection. All sufficient, eternal, unchangeable, incomprehensible, everywhere present. Almighty, knowing all things, most wise, most holy, most just, most merciful, long-suffering, and abundant in goodness and truth. That's God. That's God, beloved. You have access to this God. You see, all of us want access to power people, don't we? Who can make our lives better. Bosses at work, it's good to know the boss, isn't it? It's good to know the boss. We want access to the boss. Political business leaders, we see the politicians, isn't it? A lot of things going on is about access to politicians and shady deals over NHS and all, so forth, accusations flying around. It's about access. People want access. We want access to celebrities. We, we want access to influencers now, it seems. Having access to powerful people makes our life easier. That's why. But it usually costs us something, doesn't it, to access them. We have to compromise perhaps in some area. We have to put up something horrible about them. That's it's costly access. Sometimes we even have to pay for access. During the pandemic, you had to pay to talk to some celebrities. They started charging actually to have access to them. If you, if you want to talk to a celebrity, they were offering, there's a website where you can pay to have access to them. So it's costly. And the truth of the matter is that any access to power people in this world is finite, they can only help us up to a point. But beloved here, we have a God, John is telling us, God, our amazing and glorious Father, has given us full, free, and permanent access to him. He hears when we pray. And this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he 
hears us. He hears us. Sometimes when I call my mother in Zambia via WhatsApp, the line is not very clear. If you ever try to make an international call over WhatsApp, <laughs> uh, it's not always reliable. Uh, when I call, sometimes it disconnects. Sometimes you just can't hear me, right? But talking to my Father in heaven is never like that. Because I am in Christ. John is saying my line to heaven is always clear. He hears us. There is never a bad signal when, when, when I'm on my knees before God. And this is true for you if you trust in Jesus. You can talk to God right now and he will hear you because Jesus has taken away the barrier that prevented you accessing God. And the barrier was sin. He has removed that. Right now, at this moment, there is no barrier, if you are in Christ, between you and God. You are living in the holy and powerful presence of the living God. All your sin, past, present, future, have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. The death of Jesus has dressed you in his righteousness. The, the curtain has been torn open. You can now enter the holy of holies to access God. God is now your heavenly father in Jesus. He, he genuinely loves you and is fond of you, his precious child, bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So, beloved, there's no reason this morning not to pray. There's no reason for you to think God will not hear you. Yes, you've suffered many. Perhaps you've been praying for something. It seems nothing is changing. Your father hears your father hears. Your assurance here is not to go with your circumstances or, or, or your feelings. It is that God hears. You're praying for a loved one perhaps to be converted. God hears. Keep crying out to God. You're in a difficult family situation. Perhaps somebody is unwell. God hears. You're seeking guidance in a difficult area. He hears us. If you are in Christ, God will hear you when you pray. Keep praying. And if you're prayerless, well, your excuses are now gone, aren't they? Repent now, beloved, of your prayerlessness. Go to God starting today. Open wide your heart to him. Cry out to him your deepest needs. He hears. That's the first encouragement, isn't it? The first encouragement is that God hears his children. The second encouragement... The second and final encouragement is that God answers his children. God answers his children. You know, we never say it loudly, many of us who are believers, but sometimes we feel that there's no point asking God to do anything because God always does what he likes. If you're honest, you've had that thought. I've had that thought. And it's a discouragement to prayer. Now, it is true that God always does what he wants. And it is also true that God often waits for us to ask him before he does something for it. Both are true. God will always do what he likes. And God has said, prayer is the vehicle that I have designed to bring blessings from my throne down to you. God wants us to pray before he gives us things. That's the mystery of prayer. 
The God who is sovereign causes all things and yet has commanded us to pray for him because that is the vehicle he has designed to act for us. Literally, if you don't pray, God won't act, even though God remains sovereign over all things. As Thomas Watson says, prayer is the key of heaven. Faith is the hand that turns it. It is when we pray that God acts on our behalf. And I can't, I'm belaboring this point because this is the big problem of us who call ourselves reformed believers. Our prayer meetings are empty. Why? Because we have misunderstood the sovereignty of God. The, the, the doctrine that is beautiful has become a curse to us. We understand God's sovereignty as I don't need to bother. I don't need to evangelize. I don't need to pray. We don't say it loudly, but that's how we are. And I've sometimes sat down and said, it's hard being reformed because the temptation is there. The temptation is there. And you see it in the life of your people. The prayerlessness somehow emerges from imbalance in the doctrine. Not recognize that the God, yes, the God who is sovereign, has in fact designed this very means as the means through which he works his sovereignty in the world. And is it Moses? Unless Moses' staff remains up, the battle is lost. That's prayer. And this is the confidence that we have towards him. That if we ask anything according to his will, and if we know that he hears us, in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. Have you noticed what John says about how God answers our prayer? He says God hears and answers us only if we ask according to his will. That's not meant to be a negative thing. Rather, it is a positive thing. Because what John is saying is that the fact that God only does what he likes is exciting. Why? Because if we pray for things God likes, he will surely answer us. George Muller. Do you know him? Muller of Bristol. Was a great man of prayer. He refused a regular salary from the church and he never asked money from others for his ministry. He said, I will only depend on prayer. And I've heard uh, Charles Stanley actually also say the same thing. He refuses to ask for money. He only depends on prayer. Well, Mueller once said something similar to the Apostle John here. George Miller said, Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctancy. Prayer is laying hold of his willingness. Did you hear that? Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctancy. It is laying hold of his willingness. Mueller had, had learned that God is not a vending machine, you see. The key to having prayers answered is to pray about things that God desired for him. 
that God desires for us. God will only answer our prayers if we pray according to his will. And if we, he says that, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Which raises the question, what is the will of God? Well, the will of God is not something secret or hidden. Otherwise, no one would pray. <laughs> right? The will of God is revealed in the word of God, the Bible. You see, the Bible reveals the mind of God. The the Bible has everything that God wants to say to us. That's all we need. The Bible is sufficient. We don't need anything beyond what's in the Bible. It is sufficient. It tells us what God desires for his people and how to ask for those things. This means that if you and I want to have success in our prayer life, we need to saturate our minds with the Bible. Beloved, first of all, you are prayerless because you don't read your Bible. You are having little success with your prayers even when you pray because you don't read the Bible. It all comes down to the Scriptures. If we want to have success in our life, we need to saturate our mind with the Bible so that it guides our prayer. Prayerlessness and lack of Bible reading, they all go together. They go together. I have never met anyone who's a Bible worm who, who never prays. Neither have I met anyone who prays a lot who never reads their Bible. They may misinterpret the Bible, but they always read it. If your Bible is collecting dust at home, your prayers will be very weak. You need to know your Bible like John Bernier. You know, Charles Spurgeon said of John Bunyan, that man is a living Bible. Prick him anywhere and his blood is bibbling. The very essence of the Bible flows from him. This is what we should be like, isn't it? When we know the Bible, it directs us on, on what to actually pray for and what we don't need to pray about. This is a very important principle. I know some of you know it already, but you need to just remind yourselves again of it. When we read the Bible, it directs us what to pray for and what to not pray about. It is important to know that because most of the time we think God has not answered our prayers when in fact the answer is already in the Bible, right? For example, some people are asking God to send them someone to marry. And they think God has especially someone for them. So they keep praying, of course, all day and all night for Mr. Right and Mr. Left, right? And they never get an answer. And they wonder why. Why? Why has God not sent me Mr. Left or Mr. Right? Well, do you know why? Do you know why God has not sent someone? Because the answer is already in the Bible. The Bible does not tell us who we have to marry. It actually tells us who we are not to marry. That's 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14. In short, if you're already a follower of Jesus, you have a lot of freedom to marry any follower of Jesus who's looking for marriage. I suspect, I'm not saying, I know there are restrictions. The chances are that a lot of people, for selfish human reasons, rule out certain people, for non biblical reasons. If you just followed what God had forbidden, 
you'll find that you've got a lot of choice. You can come talk to me afterwards and say, Pastor, I'm following that, it's not working. We'll have that conversation. But I believe a lot of people don't marry, not because God, simply because they have not exercised their freedom. That's already in the scriptures. If you are already a follower of Jesus, you have a lot of freedom. Any follower of Jesus, you can marry who is looking for marriage. So you can ask God to help you to meet Christians who are single, but do not expect to get a dream from God to say, marry Jack. It's not happening. And the same applies to jobs, isn't it? The Bible does not, the Bible tells us not to take evil jobs. If job is evil in some way, you, you avoid it, right? But that leaves you with many options to pursue your talents and passions. But some people are not willing to take certain jobs because it's beneath them. And yet they say, well, God isn't providing me a job. No, no, no. Your pride is keeping you from the job. The point is that the more you know the Bible, the more you grow to know how to pray. And the more God answers your prayers. And we see this in our marriages, isn't it? If you're married, you know that when we first get married, there will be differences in marriage. You spend the first year, beloved, working out your differences when you're married. Well, maybe three, four, five years, right? Working out those differences. Some things we ask our spouses, they won't agree with us. But as we grow together, by God's will, we know each other so well, this is, doesn't always happen, but usually happens that we know each other so well that we don't need to ask them, our spouses. We know, if we have an idea, we know we, this idea is not going to run past them. So we don't even talk about it because we've gotten to know them so well. But even more than that, because we are growing to love one another so well in our marriages, our desires become inseparable over time. Do you see what happens? We know to rule out some ideas and more than that, we know that the ideas we'll bring before our spouses will be exactly what our spouses want because our desires and theirs have become one over time. And so whatever we ask, anything we ask, we might say, with our spouses, they will say yes. Because our desires with theirs are one and we know to rule out certain things. That's what John is saying here. And this is the confidence that we have towards him, that is God, that if we ask Anything, how? Well, we ask the Father who has made us born again by his will. If we ask him according to his will, he will hear us. Because we are in Christ. As we have gotten to know the Father through his word, we have gotten to understand the heart of the Father. And therefore we ask what he asks. And we know that we are not asking for selfish reasons. We are asking for what brings him glory. The more we listen to our Father... In his word and talk to him, the more we think God's thoughts after him. And the more we are on the same page with God, the more we ask him things he desires for, and the more he answers our prayers. And beloved, the reason God has made it like that is not to be difficult with us. It's actually the opposite. It's because he loves us and wants the very best for us. And this is the encouragement then to pray, isn't it? We can come confidently before God, armed with scripture, pleading the promises of God, asking him, and he will hear us. This is the confidence we have towards him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, 
We know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. Let me end uh, this morning with an illustration that helpfully helps to bring together these two encouragements we have heard this morning. God hears his children and God answers his children. Um, Over 500 years ago, there was a man called Martin Luther. Martin Luther had a best friend. His name was Frederick Myconius. Frederick was a great helper to Martin Luther. But in 1514, Myconius becomes very ill. The doctor said he's going to die. While he's on his deathbed, Myconius writes a letter to Luther telling him how much he appreciates Luther and sadly, though, that he's, he's about to die. When Luther gets the letter, he's crushed. He's crushed in his heart. He's about to lose his best friend. And so what does Luther do? He immediately grabs his pen, as it were, and he sends his dear friend a reply. This is the reply that Luther sent to his friend. He said this, I command you in the name of God to leave because I still need you in the work of reforming the church. God will never let me hear while I live that you are dead, but will permit you to survive me. For this I am praying, this is my will. And may my will be done because I seek only to glorify the name of God. Myconius received the reply from Luther when he arrives, but he is so sick by now that he can't even speak. But within a few days, he completely recovers. And he goes on to live six more years and assists in the reformation of the church. And get this, Myconius even outlives Luther by two months. Luther's bold prayer to God was answered. Luther's prayer was 1,500 years after John wrote these words we have looked at today. And this is the confidence that we have towards him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. Beloved, 2,000 years since John wrote those words, the God of John, our God in Christ, has not changed. He still hears prayers. He still answers prayers according to his will. So let us repent this morning of our prayerlessness in our lives. Beloved, why have we got a month of prayer? It's to encourage us to begin as a church to pray fervently like we've never prayed before. Let us come boldly, starting today. Not just when we gather later to pray, but also 
Every morning, beloved, throughout July, be on your knees. Every evening, be on your knees. Cry out to God. Give him an hour in the morning, an hour in the evening. Cry out to God before you. Make your requests known to God. He has not changed. He's still the prayer answering God. He has promised us plenty, isn't it? If we pray according to his will, he will hear us. Amen.